You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I am your humble host, Pete Rogers, joined as always by Just Clark Barnes and Mr. Class Jordan Smith. Guys, how are you? Doing great, Pete. Oh man, it has been too long. It's only been one week, but somehow a week without our melodious voices in your ears and and, and not being able to hear your guys' melodious voices in my ears is just, it seems too long. It seems too long, if you ask me. So I'm glad I'm glad we've uh, broken the skid of, of no podcast. We didn't record last week because Clark was traveling and it was on Valentine's Day. Um, so happy late Valentine's Day, everyone. Uh, I hope you all did something fun. Did anyone do anything of, of note? Uh, not particularly on Valentine's Day. We kind of saved it for the weekend where I was the one that got the treat and got to go see Black Panther. Ooh. Ooh. And how was it? It was Awesome. I am probably going again this weekend. Excellent. I'm going to see it this weekend too, and I'm very hyped for it. Nice. I was I was out of town and have a girlfriend who just wants to know that I care and doesn't make a big deal out of it. So we did some flowers and some dinner. It was a nice little day when I got back. Delightful, delightful. I uh we were we headed up to Vermont this weekend with two friends of ours to uh do the brewery tour of Vermont and um had many many beers to drink and it was a lot of fun that was a great time um and yeah so there you go hey i I tell you what if you ever come out to denver you can't hit every brewery in a weekend i swear to god every single like bar and restaurant just brews their own beer and it's it's heaven for a beer lover. It's glorious. Oh yeah, we didn't even hit everyone. We just we hit up made to hit made sure to hit up the big ones. Like uh, for those who know, Alchemist Brewery, we hit that up, and Hill Farmstead, we hit that up, um, which are both world renowned. Um, but yeah, I mean, for whatever reason, Vermont's taken off. I'm sure Denver is has a big has a big brew scene. Um, and Clark, you were talking about the Canadian brew scene was being all right. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. So IPAs are kind of sweeping the nation, and I'm I'm having an IPA tonight, a Carback Brewery Hopadillo. But I'm not generally a big fan because they're so overpowering. I was really proud of our Canadian brothers because they had uh, a lot of stouts and ambers alongside their IPAs. So good job, Canada. Well done, Canada. Um, so yeah, so there's a little brute, a little beer talk to start off the episode. You can tell it, you know, when when we've been gone for a while, we just have so much to catching up, and it's it's our podcast, so we can talk about what we want, you know. So there you go. Um, we got lots to cover on this show. We've got obviously some news to talk about, and since we're pros, we're just going to carry that news right into the topic of the day. 
Um, so let's uh, let's start giving Clark some news since we all know this is where he gets it from. Yeah, catch me up, Pete. Catch catch you up on what's happening. Let's start with a couple of uh, big, just huge cuts that will just completely alter uh, the face of the NFL. The biggest being the Oakland Raiders informed kicker Sebastian Janikowski that he will be not back with the team next year. So. Uh, end of an era. The crazy thing is, you think about it, he was drafted in the same year as uh, Thomas Brady. There are only three players currently in the league and from that draft class. Brady, Janikowski, and um, the punter who they got, uh, Shane Leckler. So the Raiders, 50%. And they were both special teamers. So there you go. Well done. One of the best first or second round picks, I think, in Raiders history. First round pick. Took him <laughs> number 18. Which Literally. is... Saying something because Clark's not just joking. It literally was one of the best first round picks the Raiders made in at least the last decade. It's like the only consistency the Raiders have seen in the past like 10 to 15 years is their punter and their kicker. Just always there. Just always consistent. They were both taken in the same draft class. So there you go. Um, sadly, Seabass will be playing elsewhere than uh, than Oakland this year. So. Who knows what he's got left in the old tank? Um, I love it. I love to see guys that look sort of like me playing in the game. You know, <laughs> he has he has certainly uh, he certainly uh, you know had a few beers. Let's just say, you know, um, the Buccaneers did the obvious move and cut Doug Martin. So there you go. I, yeah. Uh, I have as a question, and I posed this on Twitter, and I would love to hear your guys' thoughts, but. Is there, I mean, I said, where could Mark Doug Martin end up that you'd be excited about him in fantasy? But really the question is, is there, I mean, does, is there a place that would give you any kind of excitement for Doug Martin? Or are you just kind of like, yeah, Doug Martin, no matter where he ends up, he's got to prove it to me first. Yeah. I think he has to prove it because just, this was like his prove it year for himself. And the year before that he was suspended. And now it's just like, he, he kind of, did this to himself you know with being cut and released i don't really see him going to any place it's it's like a a poor man's richard or richard adrian peterson situation where he might go to another team and might get some carries but otherwise you're like eh, i'll look elsewhere so this is i this is why i like the offseason so much i don't think anyone is super excited now but a couple of articles from matthew barry and the great guys that we have over at fake teams and a good landing spot for him and a coach that says oh we signed doug martin because we're gonna give him 40 touches a game and doug martin goes from what i was just thinking as a guy i'd love to take a shot on in the fifth round as long as he goes to a place where he's at least going to get to compete for a job that's the kind of hype train that we can see turning a guy into a late second rounder that either makes your draft or makes you go, I got to stop reading so many damn fantasy football articles three be, months before the season starts. It would be a hell, a hell of a news storm to uh, get Doug Martin into the bottom of the second round. I would be impressed if, if there was enough, uh, enough fodder to convince the general drafting public that, Hey, I mean, Doug Martin in Indianapolis is worth a second round pick. He goes to Washington. He goes to Miami. He goes to Detroit. I mean, those are jobs where yeah. he's had it. People are going to pull out the good year stats. Talk about that. It's just that's why I like the offseason because we could speculate wildly based on almost nothing. Hey, that's what that's one of the founding principles of this podcast. 
Yeah, I have a feeling if he does go anywhere, it's going to be a team that's not all that great anyhow. I, I can just picture him on the Jets in a couple months. Like, <laughs> just just there because they would probably need a running back. Good Matt Forte, say. who knows what's going on with him. And, yeah, that that's right. I'm predicting it right now. <laughs> it just I just felt mean. I know. I just like, <laughs> but that, like Clark's, Clark's whole pitch is optimism. He's like, hey, man, Doug Barton's going to have this great landing spot, and there's going to be articles written about how he's going to break out this year, and and maybe you could take a risk on him. And Jordan's like, Doug Barton's just going to burn in New York. It's just, <laughs> it's just worthless. He's just gone. His career is over. <laughs> so there you go. There's there's your little Doug Martin info. Uh, sorry, Doug Martin. <laughs> sorry, Doug. Hey, hey. It's been a whole week since we did two weeks, in fact, since we've invited anyone onto the podcast. So, Doug, if you want to come start that news cycle going about how you should be drafted in the second round and how you're going to have a breakout season, there's no better place to do that than the RB1 podcast. I'm going to have the muscle hamster stands mad at me on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how many muscle hamster fans there are still out there. Uh, moving on in the news bulletin, uh, Andrew Luck is throwing uh, heavy balls, you guys. <laughs> Some might even say these are overinflated balls. <laughs> well, I mean, at least Valentine's Day wasn't a bust for all of us. <laughs> um, so here's the hoping that his shoulder holds up and we finally have him back in the fantasy folds this year. Uh, this whole situation, and we've touched on it many times on this podcast, as Jordan expertly said, it's worrisome. It's worrisome because I also saw reports that said the Colts, quote, hope Luck will throw in OTAs, which is just absurd to me. No one knows how Andrew Luck is doing. No one knows what his timeline is. And, and that just seems so bad. That does not bode well for this guy and for the Colts. Yeah, this one, I'm completely neutral. We'll see. We'll see. Like, what? what I, like I'm done with putting energy into trying to read the tea leaves with this one. When OTAs start, if there's pictures of Andrew Luck throwing passes to someone, that's great. And if it's not, mm, we'll see. I, I'm done with this story. That done with it. If the Colts, if the Colts head into OTAs, and well, I guess I'll phrase it differently. Do you think the Colts have to approach this offseason with maybe the inclination in the back of their minds that they're going to need to get a starting caliber quarterback? I don't think so. You know, you think that you think that they're just like, hey, Jacoby Brissett, you did pretty decent. We're gonna keep you as a backup, and we're trusting Andrew Luck's gun ho for uh, for opening weekend. Yeah, I think with the the new um, coaching hire of Frank Reich, they've kind of bought themselves a little bit of extra time to be like, hey, this is what we're doing now. Like, just give us a little bit. We'll see if Andrew Luck comes back, and if not, then. Then they start to panic and pick a quarterback like maybe in two or three years. But I think they got to hope that their their golden boy, number one overall pick is okay. I think until you're comfortable with two quarterbacks you have starting eight games for you, you spend at least a third round pick every year on a quarterback. So on that line of reasoning, every team should be going into the season with a very good plan for what do we do if so-and-so gets down? Because quarterbacks get hurt you need people to step in they better have a plan because look how it look how it turned out this year when when they didn't have one it was embarrassing i mean thank god for the browns you know somebody raced (laughs) to the bottom more quickly uh but yeah every year you should have a very good starting 
caliber backup quarterback. And then if things go really well, you turn that third rounder into a second rounder a couple of years down the road after you get three years of a cheap backup out of it. So, yeah, I mean, hey, I don't know why we don't draft more quarterbacks. I don't, I don't get it. Okay. I mean, you were just talking about how for the Colts, it was an utter failure. Can we talk about the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles? who Nick Foles was just sitting there in the wings. The Minnesota Vikings lost Sam Bradford in week one. I mean, you, there were so many teams that whose seasons got completely dis- dismantled by the losing their quarterback because they didn't have a cu- capable backup. So I think, yeah, I think I, I totally agree with you, Clark. And it's something that the Patriots have been doing for a while now um, and other teams have done too, where they just kind of keep bringing in, they keep drafting someone in that kind of third to fourth round. And like, you know, if they show any kind of promise, you can normally ship those guys off for um, hopefully at least a little uh, improvement in the draft stock. Let's just not talk about the Packers and how they imploded as soon as Aaron <laughs> Rodgers went down and their backup came in. That's that's not what we need to Let's, discuss. We don't we don't need to touch on them right now. You know, this isn't a this isn't a Packers podcast. And we'll save that from the Packers. I would like to do a cat breakdown of starting with all of our favorite teams and then each team this offseason. So I'll just float that live. I've hey, on the air. It's the offseason, man. We can do whatever the hell we want. I'm Super on board for that. The cap cap management is one of the sexiest things you can talk about when it comes to pro sports. Oh, talk spreadsheets to me, baby. <laughs> Numbers. Yes. Give me all that stats. Signing bonuses. <laughs> Deferred um, payments. Oh, okay. I'm done. Uh, right. The biggest news, obviously, that broke recently was the fact that the Miami Dolphins uh, have slapped wide receiver Jarvis Landry with the franchise tag. But for Clark's request. And because I agree with him, because, you know, hey, you save the best for last. Save the sauciest, uh, most uh, conversational pieces for later in the podcast. So people are like, oh, I want to know more. Um, we won't talk about Jarvis Landry till later in the podcast. What we instead will do is move on, use that franchise tag signage uh, to move into our topic for today, which is Franchise tag candidates. I've got uh, five players, including Jarvis Landry, who will likely be tagged. And we'll talk about whether or not we want them to be tagged and if that makes sense on a fantasy perspective. Or if we'd rather them play for another team. And if so, which team? Um, So let us start with the least exciting, but the most fun maybe to wildly speculate about, uh, Le'Veon Bell. Obviously, let's just 100% chance he gets tagged by the Steelers. Earlier in the offseason, there was like maybe 2% of me that was like, ah, maybe the Steelers are just like, is it worth it? Maybe we move on. Maybe we try to do something else. Um, but I think it's pretty – I mean, I, I don't see a reason why the Steelers would ever not tag Le'Veon Bell. Um, so, But let's start with you, Jordan. If the Steelers were to do the unthinkable and not tag Le'Veon Bell, is there any location in the NFL where you would be like, oh, my God, please, Bell, sign here, because that would just make it your fantasy stock even better than I could possibly imagine? I'm trying to think of a good place with some cap space, a good offensive line. Then I thought about Cleveland for a second, for like a half second, because yeah, a, a division opponent. They have $110 million in cap space, and he could – try to stick it to the Steelers uh, twice a year. But I think when you, when you're trying to look at contenders, 
I think you got to look at maybe Minnesota, who, I mean, they have Dalvin Cook there, but are they going to get 100% Dalvin Cook back? If you have a chance at Le'Veon Bell, who's a top three running back, um, I think you got to look at Denver as well, who has some cap space, and they don't know what their QB situation is, so why not get a, a decent running back who can stay on the field and provide some relief for whoever they bring in? Because it's probably going to be a rookie. That's what it sounds like. Minnesota would surprise me, especially given their quarterback situation, the fact that they need to throw some of their cap at a quarterback. Um, For me, my team is also in the NFC North, but not the Vikings. Give me Detroit. Oh, the Packers, get out of here. Give me Detroit. Matthew Stafford. I was going to say the Packers. (laughs) Never mind. Uh, Packers was a great choice. Uh, Anyone? (laughs) Well, actually, Packers would just be completely destruction of the fantasy world as we know it. but Matthew Stafford, Marvin Jones, Golden Tate, Eric Ebron, and Le'Veon Bell. Uh, I feel like the Lions have been searching for a running back forever. Uh, and you can't get a better one than Le'Veon Bell for a pass-catching uh, running between the tackles back that uh, the Lions have been desperately searching for. Um, the best part about going last is you get to look at all of the teams and, and really give this some thoughts. Uh, I'm looking at the over-the-cap dot com salary cap information here and right at the top of the list we've got the colts and the 49ers how much fun would it be to see Le'Veon bell getting 30 touches a care or 30 touches a game for shanahan Oof, that would be saucy doesn't jimmy garoppolo already have it all does he need a <laughs> all pro running back too <laughs> are we just spoiling him <laughs> are we giving him too much you guys he already got the good looks and the, and the, the winning personality, the arm. <laughs> that would be very nice, especially since they perceivably uh, will have a need there, given that they probably won't re-sign Carlos Hyde. Maybe they will, um, but Le'Veon Bell would certainly be an upgrade there. They got the money, but I think Le'Veon's going to get either tagged again or he's going to settle for 12 a year. So I think he's just going to get tagged and play. And in Pittsburgh, that's my that's my call for Le'Veon. Which is fine. We great are, great running back for fantasy. Yeah, he's still – I mean, I haven't I, – I think any team could use Le'Veon Bell. Honestly, you can't improve Le'Veon Bell's fantasy value, right? No team is going to make Le'Veon Bell a better fantasy player. The only thing that makes him a better fantasy player is his ability to stay healthy. Um, so I think the best place for him is, is to stay in Pittsburgh because you have an offense there that, A, knows how to utilize him, and, B – you have to worry about Antonio Brown, Martavis Bryant, Juju Smith-Schuster already in that offense. And so you're just he's just a, a fourth weapon on an already loaded offense. So if those guys are all healthy at the same time, there's no stopping the Steelers offense. So I think I don't think Le'Veon Bell is going anywhere. And I don't think you as a fantasy fan uh, should really want him to go anywhere. The fan in me hates Le'Veon Bell to the Lions, but the professional in me actually likes that as a pretty good fit. I'm buying in on that because it's a dome team. You got Matthew Stafford and the the deep ball offense, basically, with Marvin Jones and Tate can do a bunch of little things. So I actually like that a little bit. I just I'm impressed that you're able to put aside your uh, personal feelings and be professional. That's. (laughs) <laughs> that's really all we can ask for on this pod we are a podcast of professionals so there you it's go it's not going to happen again for the rest of the pod so <laughs> you've used up your one ability of professionalism from here on out it's just what <laughs> no that's ridiculous what a stupid no, idea i'm off the handle now it's over <laughs> uh 
Let's move on down the list. Uh, my second franchise tag nominee possibility person who you should have interest in uh alan robinson for the wide receiver for the jaguars um question before we delve into maybe possible locations for him is it a sure thing that alan that the jags will tag alan robinson i know that he is their best receiver and had a great year before he tore his acl but he's coming off of acl tear there's other weapons in that offense he's going to cost them a pretty penny especially coming off of a major injury uh, I don't know. Clark, pitch me that uh, that Allen Robinson belongs in Jacksonville, or or is he hitting an open market, and where is he going? Uh, I think I'm going to go with C. Ooh. I think the Jags do sign him at a reduced rate. We look at like a two-year, three-year contract, maybe third-year kind of option-ish for the team because he is coming off of the knee injury. Uh, I, I think that that will make him a little bit more willing to negotiate and the Jaguars might be able to give him enough to get him at 11 or 12 instead of having to spend, you know, 15 or 16 with the franchise tag. Every team's going to be worried about him coming back from the knee. I, I believe in the talents. I believe that people come back from the ACL. So I'm not super worried, but it's one of those, is he going to come back right away or right. is it going to take him 12, 15 games to come back? So I think they'll get a deal done with him and they won't tag him because they're going to sign him and we'll be having this conversation again in two years. There you go. I feel like that is the most more likely because I I don't know how much leverage Alan Robinson really has in order for contract demands. You know what I mean? Like if he hits the open market, I think he's going to get a reduced rate no matter what, given what he's coming back from. Um, However, Jordan. I know I just put you through uh, a section of talking about the Detroit Lions and making you get on board with Le'Veon Bell going there. Well, I'll make it up to you. Um, What about Allen Robinson in Green Bay? The Packers cut Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb, getting rid of those bloated contracts and those old veterans and those old guys, and instead add themselves a talented wide receiver in Allen Robinson to pair with Devontae Adams. And uh, suddenly you've got two very explosive receivers on the outside. You're welcome, Wisconsin. (laughs) I think that sounds really good. I don't think they get rid of Cobb because he's still young yet, but I really, I really do want them to like maybe restructure Jordy to like put the remaining 10 or so million dollars on like two to three years, spread it out. Um, He gets to keep his job, even though he's getting up there in age. But I like Allen Robinson to the Packers on like a one year prove it deal. And Alshon Jeffrey deal, which um, got him a Super Bowl. Exactly. Get him on the Alshon Jeffrey deal and then do what the Packers do best and renegotiate people in season so that they can put some of that cap strain on the current season instead of like having it all entirely carry over to the next season and they could do something that the Jacksonville Jaguars though when you look at their roster and who they have coming up as free agents in the future and who they have coming up as free agents True. this year a good receiver is coming out of Jacksonville this year I feel like whether that's Allen Robinson or Marquise Lee both are free agents one of them's hitting the market so if I mean, they don't have that much space. And if they have to re-sign Blake Bortles, there goes all their space. Yeah. Well, and then you're talking about down the line, too. Not that – and Clark and I were talking about this uh, before we started recording, which is just that, like, I think cap space – having to plan for future cap space is becoming kind of a thing of a past just because the cap is so big that really any team can – fit most anyone under their cap but we'll Mm -hmm. see once contracts get bigger and more bloated uh as they rightfully should uh but you've got 
I mean, uh, Jalen Ramsey is eventually going to need to get paid. Um, Telvin Smith is eventually going to need to get paid. like that defense is going to start going need to start uh, getting paid, and, and they're going to be especially Jalen Ramsey is going to be uh, asking for a pretty pretty penny. Yeah, Yannick Ngakwe too. Yep, he, he's not even a rookie. Like he's going to be coming up pretty pretty darn quick here. Um, so, anyways, and for the record, my my actual Packers prediction. I think they restructured Jordy, and I think they released Randall Cobb. There, putting that putting that out there on record. That's what I think is going to happen. I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> okay with that. Cool. I think uh, Cobb's a good player. It's just I feel like you can get his production elsewhere, and they use him in a lot of really bad ways. So I agree. I don't. I never. I think they, they need to save themselves from themselves, basically, if they let him go. That makes sense. Uh, let's move down the list. Um, wide receiver who we've touched on a few times on this show in L- in Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Rams and Sammy Watkins. And honestly, if there's anything that can take advantage of Watkins, I, I kind of trust McVay to do that. Um, they traded a lot to get him. I don't really think that they're going to let him walk. I don't know if they're going to franchise tag him or maybe kind of make out a deal before they need to but i personally i personally don't see sammy watkins a leaving la and b i don't really know if there's a better option out there for him that will make him suddenly more fantasy viable what do you guys think uh i'm not sure entirely (laughs) yeah i i don't even know what what Watkins because he had that pretty or he's had some pretty significant foot problems and I think that's like a, a pretty big deal to affect his upside so I'm not sure where he goes to prove that he's a number one and I think if he stays I think it's all dependent on what Sean McVay wants to do if he thinks he can do something now that he has like a full off season with Sammy Watkins he could return him to that you know, number one wide receiver value. And we all know Sean McVay's a pretty good coach by this point. Uh, but it it's all dependent on that too. And I don't know where he, if he goes to a third team, then that's kind of a red flag to me. It just makes no, the whole thing just makes no sense to me. I actually went back and watched his big game against the 49ers in week three, got a couple of touchdowns under a hundred yards, but uh, no, 106 yards. Looks good. He looks like Sammy Watkins, and they're just not throwing him the football. So I don't know why they would tag him. Yeah. But he still looks good. I think any team that signs him for 11, 12, 13, a year for three or four years is going to be very pleased. But why would they tag him if they had him all year and didn't use him? See, part of me thinks that they didn't expect Robert Woods to play his role so well. Um, and that they want to keep Watkins around to basically take Woods's role from Woods. I have no idea. I just like part of me thinks that no one was. I mean, no one did expect Robert Woods to play that well, and that 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 role was initially intended for Sammy Watkins in the offense. Who knows? Who knows? I just think that I think Sean McVay is one of the better offensive minds in the NFL right now, and I trust him to be able to get the most out of Sammy Watkins. But then again. You know, maybe maybe he's seen what he needed to see in and they're ready to move on. See, didn't Robert Woods sign in the offseason last year? Like, he was two years ago, I thought. Or maybe it was this year. I thought it was two years ago. Because I, I, I think that's another factor, too, is that not only Sean McVay, but Jared Goff. I mean, he had such a 
terrible rookie season. People were questioning whether or not he was cut out to even be a National Football League quarterback. And I think for based on your analysis to Clark about that San Francisco game and other games that we've seen Sammy Watkins maybe look like he had something. There was a glimmer there. And I think Jared Goff just went to who he was comfortable with all year. Like, I think that's why we saw Todd Gurley blow up in the passing game, too, because he was like, I'm going to my guy. Like, I know him. He's been here for as long as I have, too. So I'm going to my guy. And Cooper Cup. And you're right. Robert Woods was was an off-season signing this year. This past year. Yeah. If they tag him, I think it's a good move. Because I I still believe that Sammy Watkins is good at football. He made it through the year without getting hurt this year. Which is big. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, Yeah. I was just nothing. No team leapt off the page as like, Holy cow! Sammy Watkins needs to go here for the so they can completely uh, open up his full potential. But um, we shall see. Uh, let's move on to the fourth player, uh, who is someone who I really, really doubt gets tagged, uh, and I think will likely hit the open market. Jimmy Graham, uh, who's basically now just a red zone threat. He doesn't really provide much to an offense other than that. He's sadly a role player. Dare I even say it? Um, and as such, I don't think that the Seahawks are going to tag him. Uh, the tag for a tight end is, I don't know how much off the top of my head, but at least a nine, 10 million, right? Probably. Um, and I don't know if I'm going to be paying that for a guy who just is, whose only usage is inside the 20. Um, Jordan, where would Jimmy Graham have to end up for you to be like, hey, you know what? I'll take a flyer on him. Uh, can I go with back in New Orleans? Maybe <laughs> I think you certainly can. <laughs> I, I mean, let's face it. He had his best years with Drew Brees. Uh, it's in a dome. They'll actually use him in the passing game. I mean, they don't have to make him the the same sort of weapon that he was last time. But I think there's familiarity there. Um, I was asked if Jimmy Graham might be a good fit for the Packers because Packers fans just for the longest time have been starved for a good tight end. But I found something interesting from Numberfire, and it contained a, a pretty interesting chart that tight ends drafted over the or after the year 2000, their uh, production usually dips after year five, and then by year nine in the league, they're not in the league. And Jimmy Graham is entering his ninth season in the NFL, and he hasn't had a two or a thousand yards receiving since 2013, I believe. And yeah, he had 10 touchdowns this year, but that was on 10 catches in the red zone out of 15 total catches in the red zone. So everything he was having was within 20 yards of the end zone. And I don't know. I I see maybe some fantasy value. We've seen some really good tight ends over the years just stay until they're like 56 years old. But I I don't know. Jimmy Graham, he relies a lot on athleticism, and I don't think he's that savvy like Tony Gonzalez type of tight end. But New Orleans, let's just bring him back there. Why not? Why not? Who says no? Clark, what do you think? Uh, So I just pulled up a team here who signed Jared Cook last year. The Raiders. The Raiders. Uh, Jared Cook has no money left, no guaranteed money left on his deal, and is going to cost $5 million against the cap. That seems like an awful lot of money to pay for Jared Cook. I don't think the Seahawks are going to sign Jimmy Graham. He scored less than one fantasy point in four games 
last year in standard scoring. I think they'd be happy to re-sign him, but I don't think they're going to tag him. And I think Jimmy Graham is not giving anybody a hometown discount, as he very well shouldn't. Uh, Seems like a Raiders signing, and I feel like that'd be exciting. Yeah, I can get behind that, especially since Derek Carr kind of took a mild step back, it seems like, after the leg injury last or this past year. And nothing really helps a quarterback more than getting him a six foot six tight end who can just basically rebound over anyone in the red zone. Helps it helps the touchdown numbers, if I if I could be so bold to say. It would be a great additive for Amari Cooper's touchdown allergy. <laughs> God. Oh, Amari, why don't you catch a gosh darn touchdown? You and Corey Davis, you guys should start a club together about how we don't like catching touchdowns. Um, For me, (laughs) uh, let's bring the two-headed tight end back in New England. And I joked about this earlier, but come on, who says no? Remember how good Martellus Bennett was two years ago, both in real life and in fantasy? Um, I think what you were saying, Jordan, where tight ends tend to kind of peter off at this point like this is you know after nine years in the league you're kind of basically done uh gronk scarily is getting there too and i know i know at the end of the super bowl everyone is so drained emotionally especially after a loss that you're just kind of like well i need to reevaluate everything and gronk said that um i no part of me thinks gronk is going to retire this year however the man has had so many injuries done to his body particularly in important areas like arms legs and back uh it wouldn't be absurd to think that he's only got a couple years left and i'm not saying jimmy graham is a replacement uh long term but i'm just saying bringing that two-headed attack back uh allows you to take a lot of pressure off of gronk and what gronk does and just puts another threat on the field particularly inside the 20 uh where for defenses to worry about and even if he's that kind of role player new england's going to get the most out of him and likely can be able to sign him to a a slightly reduced contract because hey guess what you're probably going to the super bowl if you play in new england yeah i mean after a lot of frustrating uh almost makes it with the saints almost makes it with the seattle seahawks maybe you just want to go to a a surefire thing where you feel like you can chase a ring mm-hmm. uh, to make you feel a little bit better about Gronk though. I think sometimes an injury or two can help a player because that means they're not getting that sort of mileage that a football game can put on it's you. True. So maybe he can extend that a little bit, but at the same time, if you're the player, you're like, how many times do I want to just get cut right at the knees? You know, it's insane. I looked at when he first was talking about this, I wrote an article just asking him, please not to retire because the world needs all the Gronk it can get. Um, but I looked at his injury history. Uh, he's got two different torn ACLs. He's had three different herniated discs in his back. He had multiple surgeries on his arm. And that's why he wears that giant uh, brace thing. But like, I could not imagine. I mean, I could imagine having back problems anyway, but imagine being six, six, and having three, like having three different herniated discs and real back troubles, and you're whatever twenty eight. It's like God, that would just be awful. You're gonna have to be dealing with that for the rest of your life. And there's a real part of you that's like, hey, look, I've made my millions. I've gotten all the sponsorship deals I could possibly want, and I can write off of this for a while. Like, and I've already done enough to put me in the conversation of greatest tight end ever to play the game. It's, you know why? Why do I want to put my body through more of it? But presumably, there's this quote unquote love of the game. Uh, that people like to uh, like to call upon when they're saying why they continue to play. But who knows? Who knows? I mean, he seems pretty savvy, like with his career, despite all the, you know, 
monster red bull antics i mean what is it doesn't he like not spend his base salary and just yeah. like he just lives that. off of endor- endorsements yeah so i mean he, he seems pretty smart and savvy about that sort of thing and i feel like gronk is the type of personality to think beyond football with what else he wants to do because i'm sure it's something in entertainment or oh, just please make him please make him like this generation's Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Let's have Rob the Gronk Gronkowski just start taking you over television. I love it. <laughs> I would love to see just the fireball train wreck that is Rob Gronkowski with like Boomer Esias in calling games. <laughs> What a, yeah, when when Gronk retires, they're like, you know, whatever, NBC or whatever, or ESPN's like, man, Tony Romo was so successful and everyone was talking about that. Let's get Tune Gronk in Thursday for Gronk and Tone. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, Boomer, this one time after a game in Miami, we went out and got wasted. Julian Edelman was doing keg stands. <gasps> Gronk, 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 Gronk. <laughs> Gronk wreck commercial break. I don't care. I want to tell the story. <laughs> Always press record. Always press Always record. Always press record. Uh, I'm with you, though. I can't. So I have a relatively normal person's body of normal size. And at 35, my knees aren't quite what they used to. And I, I didn't have hyper-athletic people running into them for six months out of the year. So I don't understand once any of these guys get 2 million in the bank in your house paid for, what are you doing? Right. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, but you know, clearly, uh, clearly there's something there. Uh, let, let's move on. It's going to be fun to run over little defensive backs. I mean, that's fun, fun when you're that big to just plow through other humans and laugh at them. Chortle, if I will. Um, final person. We're finally getting there. The most exciting person in the franchise tag world who's already been franchise tagged, but hey, that doesn't stop the wild debate and speculation. Jarvis Landry in Miami. Um, it's safe to say that I am not a fan of this uh, of this pairing, but um, Jordan, what do you think about this? Are you on board with the uh, reunion that Jarvis Landry staying in Miami? Yeah, I agree with it. There's been a lot of blasphemous. I mean, <laughs> there's been a lot of again, the the Packers keep on coming up with like wide receiver talks and there's been a lot of talk about him maybe coming in and replacing the Randall Cobb role, but statistically they're pretty similar and I, my whole thing more recently has been give Jarvis Landry a little bit more time. I know Some people think he's overrated, but he's also been playing with an inconsistent and injured Ryan Tannehill, and it's Miami. The head coach is changing every other year. The offensive coordinator, um, Richie Incognito, is yelling racial slurs all the time. So it's like they've had just a ton of incidents in Miami, and I I think you just need to give Jarvis Landry maybe a little bit more time, and then if – if it doesn't pan out, then let him walk somewhere else and he would still be productive. I think I just hate to see him stay in Miami because I really think he's good. I just, I love, I, I agree with you, Jordan. I mean, yeah, he's a, he's a slot receiver. Uh, Have you seen what he's been playing with for the past couple of years? The only reason he catches five yard passes and that's it is because that's all that the quarterback can do. Now I don't think he's like an amazing down 
the field threat, but I think he's good enough to do things other than what he's been doing. I was really looking forward to him going somewhere where they have a creative offense and they have a competent quarterback. It's just going to suck to see him get another 112 catches and 1,100 yards. He had eight yards per reception this year on 112. Eight yards per reception. Of the receivers with over 50 catches, Landry was the worst by almost a full yard. Um, to your you know, fun Packers fact, the two other receivers that were, were on the list, bottom of the list, are Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson. So Packers offense just falling through the ground. Um, yeah, I I totally agree with what Clark said. Where I I've been on I've been preaching this for a while that I think Landry needs to be paired with a true wide receiver one in the sense of someone who takes the top off a of defense, the defenses have to worry about deep, and that opens up the underneath space for Jarvis Landry to to operate. Like Clark said, Landry's never going to be the burner downfield or the guy who's going to you know get you the 60-yard bomb and you just chuck it up to him. He's the guy who's, I mean, he's was started off in the league as such an elite um, punt returner because he's excellent in space. He's phenomenal. That's, that's where he operates. And so I think you just need to get him more open space in the in the inside of the defense in order to to operate in and just kind of yeah get him a, just a more creative offense with a with a consistent quarterback i i do understand what you're saying jordan about the fact that he's gotten an inconsistent ryan Tannehill both in production and injury history um i don't know i don't know i don't like it i don't like it his his floor and ceiling are just way too close together in terms of fantasy and yeah in ppr he's good but that's just because you know he's going to get at least 110 receptions and that counts for something whereas in standard he's hot garbage because he doesn't do anything with those catches yeah i just think he's i mean it goes to what clark was saying again everybody kind of feels like they need their slot receiver to just be like a a quickie little scat wide receiver who can run across the middle and you know no time at all he's not going to run a good 40 but i think he's more of an eye test player than anything like you have to watch him and he it's probably a little bit faster in pads and what a lot of people are as soon as they're not running, you know, in the underwear Olympics at the combine. Also, like slot receivers are changing. I mean, look at Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, since the last two or three years, he's been operating out of the slot and has still been one of the most productive receivers in the NFL in the last three years. So, like, you don't need to. And he's by he's nowhere near a, a quick shifty guy now. He's just a consistent set of hands that runs phenomenal routes. And so you can put a lot of different people, I think. If the Packers get rid of um, Randall Cobb, I could see them moving Jordy into the slot and doing try a similar revitalate revitalization uh, that happened to fit Larry Fitz in his career. So I just think I think Landry can't be the focal point of the offense. And in Miami, I don't see them getting anyone that's going to take the pressure off of him. So there you go. Unless Devontae Parker somehow magically becomes like a legit number one wide receiver in this offseason, which, uh, hey, shocking, not really counting on that. Man, I thought he was going to be so good too. Yeah. In his draft, I, I was calling him the best receiver in the draft. That was the same one that had Amari Cooper. I was felt like I might have been almost right this year, but Devontae Parker didn't live up to his end. <laughs> <laughs> and he might be. He's also playing with this awful offense that we've been railing against and saying poor Jarvis Landry, who is obviously talented, who has to play with these guys. So I wouldn't sell. You know, you're not getting anything for Devontae Parker right now. Uh, might as well hold on to him. He might he might turn out to be good. He's still young. Who knows? Yeah, and you and you hope that Ryan Tannehill comes back and is fully I mean, Ryan Tannehill is a 
good quarterback when he's healthy and, and kind of on. And that's not, you know, it's, it's not like the Dolphins are completely quarterback less and, and are going to rely on Jay Cutler again next year. It's, you know, they've got someone to come back and, and run that position. You're just hoping that maybe he's a little more consistent and is able to uh, make a little more happen. I remembered my Jarvis Landry comparison because I was trying to think of somebody who was playing in the league for a long time, but wasn't necessarily a burner, but did all the other little things that you need to do to be a good career wide receiver. Heinz Ward. Ah. 40-yard dash was only 4.55, which by receiver standards is not that fast. That's probably more in line with like a defensive lineman or defensive (laughs) end, I should say. But what? Heinz Ward, you got to think maybe if he was a little bit more uh, of a hands receiver, he would have been a great scat value. And just because Jarvis Landry isn't the quickest guy in the world doesn't mean he can't have a good, productive, almost Hall of Fame level career. Yeah, no, Heinz Ward is a good comparison. That is all that we have. Um, Make sure to follow us on iTunes. Well, subscribe. And rate, leave reviews. The more reviews and ratings that you guys give us, the more people, more times it just shows up randomly on people's iTunes and they want to listen to it. And the more popular we get. Um, If you guys have topics, we talk about this all the time when we're not on the podcast. It's the off season. There's only so much we can talk about. Um, if you want, if you have questions that you want us to answer or or topics that you want us to discuss, send them at us. Tweet them at RB1 Podcast, uh, or you can email at RB1 Podcast at gmail.com. I believe we have that email. I could be wrong. I think so. Um, shows you the background that I've done on this. Uh, make sure to follow me at Pete M. Rogers, follow Clark at NFL Clark, and follow Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. Um, we're back, everybody. Get ready for the offseason. Sit down, buckle up. We are the podcast for the porn bots, and we will be here in your ears next week. Peace! <laughs>